Welcome to the Eventualities Podcast, interesting conversations with the people behind our favourite regional festivals and events. We dive into the memorable experiences they create, the unexpected challenges they've overcome and what they've learned along the way. Grazing down the Lachlan is a foodie adventure along the Lachlan River near Forbes in central west New South Wales, celebrating foraged and farm regional produce. Grazing down the Lachlan was awarded bronze at the 2019 Qantas Australian Tourism Awards in the festivals and events category. Wendy Muffett is committed to building resilient regional communities and co-founded Grazing Down the Lachlan as part of a bigger vision for building a vibrant tourism economy in Forbes and the wider Central West region in New South Wales. In her other life, Wendy is a farmer and accommodation provador. Over four decades, in partnership with her husband Kim and family, Wendy successfully operated a broadacre mixed farm in the Central West of New South Wales. Wendy's current business, Gira Gira Green Living, is a multi-award winning boutique accommodation and organic farming enterprise near Forbes. Wendy was a presenter at the 2019 Regional Events Conference in Dubbo. Welcome, Wendy. Oh, hi, Belinda. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for your time. I'm really looking forward to our chat today and bringing the Grazing Dana Lachlan story to life for hopefully a, a whole new audience out there. So thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. We're very honoured to be part of this body. Fantastic. Now, I just wanted to start with hopefully you telling us a little bit about the event. Your website has some beautiful content. I love the wording. So kudos to whoever wrote all that. But I thought instead of me regurgitating that, I would let you in your own words describe to everyone about grazing down the Lachlan. Yeah, I guess it gives a bit of context if we just trot back a few years. It was really a bit of a light bulb moment. My husband Kim and I were wandering across the vineyards really enjoying forage, that great foodie event in Orange. And it, it really was one of those things where we just looked at each other and went, this would be such a fabulous event to not copy, but to, I guess, pick up and reshape as a fundraiser for an even bigger uh, concept that was floating around in Forbes at the time. A, a friend of ours, Rosie Johnston, is an artist and she'd just come back from Sculpture by the Sea wildly inspired and it was kind of like, well, why can't we have Sculpture by, you know, a sculpture down the Lachlan, Sculpture in the Bush, but permanent? Wouldn't that be an amazing, amazing permanent event to bring tourism to the greater central west? How fabulous would that be? So we're all saying, yeah, Rosie, that's amazing. That's fabulous. What kind of sculptures are you thinking about? And, and Rosie was like, oh, you know, world-class ones, like Sculpture by the Sea, million-dollar sculptures. It's like, oh, good oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, how are we going to pay for these? So we've been thinking on that, and it, it was, of course, literally a light bulb moment. It's like this foodie event. We will shape it so that it's absolutely embedded in the community. It showcases all that is amazing about the Central West. It highlights all of, all of the delicious food that's grown out here, the magnificent landscape. And in our mind, people, you know, of course people are going to flock to that. And of course sponsors will want to work with us. So that was kind of the, the impetus, really. Then we chewed the air off 
the local tourism officer at the time, Penelope McGuffick, and she was wild and enthusiastic about the concept and, and away we went really. And I'd just like to acknowledge uh, James Sweetapple, the guy who pretty much drives Forage. The first thing we did was contact James and say, are you up for a bit of a conversation? You know, just around the logistics of this kind of outdoor event. And he was amazing. He was so generous. He sat down with us for a couple of sessions and really gave us the confidence that, yes, we could do this. And uh, off we went. So racing is now kind of like a whole weekend event, but the main event, of course, is this degustation where we bus our grazers out to site, which is a stock route in the middle of nowhere, just one of those iconic Australian stock routes, a refuge for stock during, you know, times of drought. And it, it follows the, the meandering Lachlan River. So we tip our grazers out of the bus in waves and they literally look at us and go, so where do we go? And we say, follow the bush track. And they're met with fire and dance by the local Indigenous group. It's really spectacular. There they are, just doing what they do. And as they, as they wander along on that two and a half K track, that bush track, under the shade of magnificent, iconic river red gums with the, the lazy old Lachlan flowing along beside them, they come across six food and beverage stations just embedded in the bush. So they just sit there quietly and they're, they pick up a six-course meal, really, as they wander. Local food shaped up in really interesting ways. We have a creative director, Atama Carey, one of Sydney's best-known chefs, and she coaches, she writes the recipes, coaches the local caterers, chooses the local wines and other beverages that, to, to suit the food, and local caterers and local vignerons deliver that delicious meal as the grazers walk along. The other thing you'll find is all sorts of entertainment, which is has, has a local theme. They'll also be a bit puzzled about why they get a little shoulder bag with very minimal content to enjoy their meal, and that's all they get. There is no single-use cutlery or food containers or beverage containers used at all at grazing. So they have their one little wine glass and they have their one cloth napkin that's been lovely made by the, the, uh, the, a couple of ladies in town out of recycled curtains and tablecloths and doona covers. We put a shout out to the community and got inundated. I think everybody cleaned their linen cupboards out. And they get tickets to hand over, obviously, to get their course for each of those six food stations, they are actually sheep ear tags. So we collect them back. So there's there's literally no waste. At the end of the event, our last event, there was, I think, about a quarter of a bin of actual rubbish, which was just stuff people had bought with them on the bus. And we had about half a wheelie bin of food scraps, which we composted, and that was it. That was it. Because we just don't give people stuff and, and they're fine. They're perfectly fine with that. We do find ways to serve their food that can be eaten in their napkin or eaten in their hand. So that's worked well for us. Him and I always go back and have a bit of a look on the following day just to make sure everything is ship shape. And honestly, you would not know that 
900 people had, you know, wandered the courts the day before are um, grazers are so respectful. It's brilliant. Wow. So that's the way the main event day looks. Oh my goodness. It sounds so amazing. I think I, I really hope I can get out there in 2021. And what an amazing concept. There's so much I want to unpack in that, but we might just go back. So you've said 900 people are generally at the event. Has that always been the case or has that grown over the years? No, look, it's, it's the event has always sold out, Belinda, which was a bit of a shock to us, but we had no idea what we were doing. I'm just going to be upfront and say that. <laughs> I love it. And we gathered together an amazing committee, um, mostly of of young women with, you know, at that age with kids um, around us to pop this event up. But none of us had had any experience really with an event that size. So we just thought, how about we start off at 600 and see how that looks? And it sold out. And so for the first year, we had our 600 graces plus about 50 others. And it was fine. So we kicked the number along to 800 and it sold out again. So our last grazing, we've only had three. We thought, well, how will 900 look? Because we actually don't want to crowd the track. We want this to be a really relaxed experience where you're not queuing and you're not kind of treading all over each other, just a stroll along the river where you can wander off and sit all on your own if you want to and just contemplate. So 900 sold out again in I think it was just a couple of days and it looked pretty good on course. We might consider in a non-COVID time frame being along to 1,000 but I think we'll stop there. We want this to be a really just a great experience. And we can build grazing out to offer others opportunities with the satellite events that we pop up in the past. That's been things like Q&A with time the creative director and some of the farmers that have grown the food and, and some of the committee members so people can, you know, get a bit of an insight into the event. We host that the night before with a few drinks and snacks. And on the Sunday following grazing, we just have this great big community breakfast in the middle of Forbes, just a long, kind of like a long lunch style breakfast right in the middle of town. And that's been really well supported, not only by our grazers who are looking for somewhere delicious to have breakfast next morning, but the community pop in and join us. And that's really cool. And then our our wonderful Wiradjuri Indigenous community also pop up an event that Sunday afternoon, song and dance and weaving all the sorts of things that people actually see at raising as the entertainment and they can get in and have a bit of a go. Um, our next grazing, which will be 2021, we're really looking at expanding those satellite events, but maybe we can talk a bit about that later. Yeah, I'd love to, absolutely. Yeah, I love what you've done that to extend the duration of the festival as well whilst also keeping it um, manageable and sustainable, which underpins everything. And I want to talk a bit more about that in a little bit as well. Sure. Going back to the event, so what year did the event actually start? Our first grazing was 2017. And That's right, so yeah. you did 2017, 2018, 2019 and then made the decision to go to every second year is that correct no no we actually um we'll we'll be annual from here on in but we just needed to 
2020 off popping up an event and and focus on working kind of on the business. Um, we we just needed to pause, reshape, consider what we've done well, consider what we could do better, and reach out into other communities for sponsorship. We know there are people, say in Sydney, who have a deep affection for the Central West and have done very well and um, are interested in sponsoring grazing. And we just actually needed to do some thinking around that. And I, I guess consider ways to make it an easier lift for the committee. We've got a committee of 10 and they're amazing. But, you know, three years in, they'd worked really hard and we just needed to sit down as a group and figure out how we can work smarter, not harder, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And look, in hindsight, you you made the right decision anyway, didn't you? Because if we all knew what was to come, um, well, there's been no events or festivals this year, really, unless you were lucky and got in at the start of the year. So yeah, that was a, yeah. a, a great decision in hindsight. So on the creative director, I'm really interested in this aspect of the festival. So you've mentioned you had this amazing chef from Sydney come down. Now, has it been the same creative director every year or are you rotating that role around? Otama and her partner, Matt Lindsay, were our first creative co-creative directors. They're both well-known chefs in Sydney and both have a passion for sustainable food production and both very curious about Indigenous ingredients, you know, bushchaka, you know, the foods that grow here that we kind of, I guess, we've ignored because we don't, we've just never engaged with them. So they, um, and we also have a connection to them in, in other ways, they were really keen to pop out and not only write the menus, write the recipes from scratch, but coach the local caterers on delivery. So the, the first thing they did was come out and walk the country. They wouldn't consider writing the recipes until they actually walked across the country and got a sense of it. They met with the local Indigenous community and heard from them about what kind of foods would have been eaten here back in the day and took it from there. They were both in 2018 opening new restaurants and felt like, it would just break them to do yeah. that and <laughs> and to serve grazing in the way that they want to serve grazing. And we were lucky enough to get Mark Olive. Wow. And in, yeah, yeah, to um, to pick grazing up and come out and put his own um, his own spin on the food. And obviously, he's he's quite a well known Indigenous chef, and he um, not only put his own stamp on the food, but he also enabled us to better connect with the local Indigenous people and form what's coming to be a true partnership. And I personally really love that aspect of grazing. Mark's a busy person too. So in looking 2019, he was popping up a few new TV shows and heading to Africa to do some filming. You know, it kind of swings and roundabouts. We invited Otama back. Um, she had just opened her new restaurant and immediately was awarded a hat, so she was kind of on fire. So she came back to us for 2019 and put together a really fun menu 
around kind of retro Australiana, which was yeah, kind of fun. And she's staying with us for 2021. We're actually going to celebrate the Chinese heritage here in town. We had Chinese market gardeners come to Forbes during the first gold rush and, of course, they had family, many of whom are still here, and that's a whole new cuisine for us and a whole new culture for us to investigate and showcase along the grazing trail. Wow. And I guess I just need to mention that I guess those, those chefs have really taken to heart the idea of, you know, leaving their own legacy in the local catering community. And our caterers have really lapped up the opportunity to work with people like Otama and like Matt and learn new, new skills and use new foods. So it's been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a legacy in that way too. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, how fortunate for your community to have the expertise and experience of those amazing chefs. So definitely a win-win. Do you, with those caterers and the groups that your visiting chefs are working with, how do you identify those groups in the community? How do you go about that process? Look, we just, as a, as a committee, uh, we've got a, a couple of really keen little foodies in, on the committee and we just put it out there and uh, I guess got suggestions from the community about, you know, who, who are the caterers that you've been using and enjoying their food and what events have you been to that have been catered by local caterers. And then we um, we just put out an expression of interest. So if there's anybody out there listening to this <laughs> who thinks, yeah, I'd like to be part of that, get in touch and we'll shoot you an expression of interest. We've kept it uh, tight in the Central West because that's really – that, that's our, one of our, our goals, to leave a legacy here in, in our own neck of the woods. So anybody out there? Yep. Get in touch. Go. We'll also put the link to your website in our show notes, Wendy, so people can easily oh, find you. you. But that's a, yeah, that's a great opportunity there. And it's the same with any, with any of the vineyards out there or anybody, um, you know, brewing their own craft beers or anybody making interesting non-alcoholics because we now on the grazing trail, we obviously like to showcase the local wine industry and we'll be shooting out expressions of interest to them too, along with Otama's tasting notes. So I'll have a bit of guidance and asking them to send us samples this year. And the same with anybody making interesting non-alcoholic drinks because we we recognize that not everybody wants to, to drink um not everybody's on the booze um plenty of people have flipped to a non-alcoholic option we have lots of beautiful pregnant young women and just people who do not want to hit, do not want to drink for whatever their reason and we figure they deserve um, something interesting to drink other than just the old soda water. So we had things like raspberry kefir last year. We had kombucha, or last event, we had kombucha. We had some really interesting chilled teas and our guests loved it. So anybody out there doing that kind of interesting stuff, give us a shout out. <laughs> okay, there, there you go, everyone. <laughs> the challenge is laid. Now, this is obviously a Great event for Forbes and the wider region around there. But can you talk a little bit about who attends the event? So obviously there would be some component of locals, but are you getting a lot of visitors come in for grazing? Yeah, we are, Belinda. 
we invite our guests to give us their postcode when they buy the ticket. And we, we've been able to identify, we get about 60% uh, visitors from out of the area. Because what, what's happened is our locals who just love the whole idea, of course, want to show it up to their friends and relatives from all over. So that's how I, that began. And also Otama, um, our creative director, has quite a following. So we get foodies from Sydney. And the other great thing that happened for us was SBS Online came on board as one of our sponsors, you know, because of the multicultural angle that we take with grazing. They spread the word too. So we, we get a lot of interest from out of area and, of course, that's great for the local economy and with the overnight stays and people out here and going, oh, it's pretty cool out there and, and popping back. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's who attends. Yeah, that's great, 60%. That's very impressive. And I guess has that, from day one, were you doing that extended program of the event on the Friday night, the long breakfast on the Sunday and then the workshops and things, or is that something that's grown over time as you've realised that people have come into the town to visit? How has that evolved? No, we just started out that way. We're pretty ambitious. <laughs> well, <laughs> so well done. We didn't know what we were doing, so it seemed like a really good idea, and yeah, we can do that. And look, I think, you know, we had a lot to learn, and I think we're refining those satellite events so that they are, are more engaging and offer people an even better experience. And I think actually being part of the award system was brilliant in that respect just to get some really professional feedback from the judges on the event um, that's given us a lot of insight into how we can do better. Yeah, absolutely. And well, we may as well um, move on to that because that was something I wanted to, to talk to you about. Your, well, by, you know, maybe some standards, quite small event went on to get bronze at the National Tourism Awards for 2019, which was actually handed out in February this year, I think. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they do them. Um, that's what happens with the awards. But that is an absolutely amazing effort. So can you talk to us a little bit about that process and yeah, what you've got out of the awards in general? Yeah, that, that was amazing. We still pinch ourselves. And I should apologise to whoever organised the awards. We were so loud. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. When our name was called out, we couldn't believe it. Because as you say, like, we're tiny. Um, those the awards, our category goes up to 50,000 attendees and, you know, us with our little old 1,000. So it was such a joy and I can't tell you how delighted our whole community was. And look, the, the awards system, and, and, I, and I say thank you to you, Belinda, because I do remember you giving me a call and saying, would you consider putting grazing into the award system? And I took it to the committee and they went, oh, dear. We don't need another <laughs> so thing to do, up. Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, God, but we're so small and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, look, we took it on as a learning experience and that's exactly what it was. The regional um, events, which I know you organised, were a great learning experience and a great networking experience for us. And then um, going to state, we had the opportunity to revise our submission and were completely blown away to win that. That was just extraordinary. And, you know, we've talked about the nationals, but 
that whole process of pulling your event apart and answering the quite detailed questions that you're asked to respond to was so valuable to us. It was so valuable. And I can't thank you enough for that encouragement because I know our next grazing will be so much better for, for having been through that process. Yeah. Oh, that it's great to hear, Wendy, because it is an exhaustive process. But I think the people who go through with it and do well really benefit. And then we see the results of that either in their events or festivals or businesses or, you know, whatever they're running. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you got a lot out of it. And we look forward to seeing Grazing 2021 and, yeah, all the great ideas that you've got for that. And the network, you know, we've, we've now um, found others in our area who are also part of the award system who are pretty keen to work alongside us and we're keen to look, work alongside them. So there was that aspect to the awards. Also. That's great. And I think that you touched on that at the top of our talk when you mentioned that James from Forage in Orange was really great and open to working with you. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the events industry, especially in regional areas in Australia, is that we're all happy to talk and share ideas and collaborate. And sometimes you've just got to ask or, you know, have that initial introduction to someone. And then it's amazing the partnerships that can be built from that. So I think that's a really good takeout that I've just heard from you anyway, that those things do work once you you meet. We all want to share and see each other thrive. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, look, we all stand on the shoulders of others. I don't think any of us have really popped anything truly original up. There's always been some kind of precedent and I'd really encourage anybody out there who's thinking about popping an event up to do that, to approach somebody who's doing something that that you like the look of. There always will be a few caveats put around it, how you don't pop it up at a time of year that's going to compete with us and be respectful about what you're asking. those people to share. Um, I hope we were respectful <laughs> with James, who knows. I'm but, sure um, you were. Yeah, definitely reach out. We've, we've certainly had chats to people since our event kicked off, others wanting to do something of a similar vein, and it's a joy to be able to um, give back a bit. Yeah, absolutely. What have been some of the biggest challenges you and the committee have faced since the inception of grazing? Well, I guess being complete and utter amateurs was was a bit of a challenge but maybe that's a good thing <laughs> I think it's a good know, thing <laughs> um, you know um, how challenging managing that number of people can be but I think because we're an outdoor event the weather is always going to be our greatest challenge and I have to say um, 2019 threw everything at us we had one of those monster dust storms, you know, the ones you've seen on TV and in, with the monster cloud rolling in like a steam train, that was 6 a.m. morning of grazing 2019 and we were out there, there were limbs falling, You, we had pretty much zero visibility and it was like, God, you know, first and foremost safety and we actually um, were seriously considering calling the event off. So we're at, a few of us are out there on the course and we're communicating with our, our colleagues in town at the bus stop and they were just horrified. It was like, oh, please don't call it off. Please don't call it off. They'll, they'll burn the buses. <laughs> it was real. 
those conversations, we, you know, we're obviously in touch with the, the Weather Bureau and the advice was that the wind would drop by 11 o'clock. So, look, we just put that caveat around it. We said the wind has to drop or we must call the event off. It's unsafe. It did drop. And away we went with a very dusty, dirty, windy grazing. And you know what? People loved it. Loved it. was it. authentic. Yep. They loved it. Yep. And that was, they were so accommodating. We actually put, had to put the buses back half an hour just to make sure that the weather would come. No, you know, so we, we just popped up a bit of entertainment at the bus stop and they all got into it and wandered off to the pub and had a few beers while we waited. It was great. Oh. But so, so the weather is always going to be a challenge. The first year was a bit hot. The other challenge for us is we're on a stock route and, you know, um, the stock route has a purpose. So while we communicate with the wonderful people at the LLS, they're so good to allow us to, to use the stock route in that way, there was a bit of kind of crosswise for the first event and we're out there the day before setting up and 900 steers kind of cruised through the site with a driver in town. It was like, ah, okay, we're, um, we're hosting 900 people here tomorrow. If, how are we going to work that? How are we going to share this space? Anyway, the driver was good enough to just push them on a little bit further, but, of course, we had a whole lot of cow shit to deal with. So that was, that was a bit of fun. It's authentic. And then the following, yeah, no, like, great, great, here come the flies. But in 2018, we actually, um, the week before grazing, we were out there because we basically build the village out there. And a guy had cruised through and dropped off two semi-trailer loads of bee boxes. That's a lot of bee. Right at the big red amazing sculpture, which is where we, we finished the event up, and it was like, okay, I don't think we can have about a billion bees buzzing around at the end of our event. Anyway, look, he was, was good to move them, so... We reckon, um, you know, we've put an order in for a truckload of unicorns because we reckon we could sell them. So, <laughs> <laughs> next time round. <laughs> You'll get some great coverage for the unicorns. Wow, and the and totally. the dust storm. I spoke with Kathy from the Parks Elvis Festival just last week and she mentioned the same thing. I think your event's September, but theirs was um, January this year and the yeah. dust storm that swept through there in early January off the back of the bushfires was just horrendous. So I think, yeah, the dust is something we've all now got to factor in, I think, to our risk management plans because it's becoming more and more common, unfortunately. But, look, again, you guys, for a volunteer committee and for people who have only just started out in this, you're doing some amazing things and I guess overcoming great challenges. So so well done. Can you talk a little bit about some of the um, rewarding things to come out of this event? And that can be from a community perspective or a personal perspective. Well, if we go back to the thought that grazing is a legacy event and the legacy we, we popped up to leave was an extraordinary world-class sculpture trail along 100 k's of the stock route between Forbes and Kindoblin following the Lachlan River. And... The fact that we've been able to pop up some monumental sculptures which will bring tourism um, not only to Forbes but to the greater central west is is just 
so heartwarming. We've also been fortunate enough, Great Gracing is actually a subcommittee of the Forbes Arts Society, and the Forbes Arts Society has been fortunate enough to secure a $7 million grant, of which Grazing is kind of a part co-funder to um, finish that sculpture trail, just out of the blue, partnering with the state government and our local shire council, and also to refit a much-loved but burnt-out local building to become a cultural and also to refurbish or pop up three state-of-the-art bird hides on a wetland that just sits on the edge of Forbes, which is of national significance. So that is really exciting. And uh, Grazing was a big part of applying for that grant and co-funding it. So I think the whole, the Grazing community is really proud of that. I, I guess the other thing that we're really proud of is being able to showcase local farmers doing amazing things, growing food sustainably our local wine industry and one of the things that really um, warms my heart in particular is being able to walk alongside our local Indigenous people, the Wiradjuri people and find ways with them of showcasing their amazing culture, that ancient culture and weaving their foods into grazing and also inviting them to welcome our grazers to um, the, the, the land which has, you know, which of which they are custodians. So that's been a great outcome too. Involving the whole community, um, as I said earlier, they've just embraced it. They are, our community is, are the volunteers on the day and we just donate to any of the community organisations that pop volunteers up for us. They've just really become deeply embedded in the whole grazing event and, and that to us is, is a great outcome. Oh, absolutely. And congratulations on the grant. That is huge. That's so exciting, um, not just for grazing but for Forbes and I think the arts and cultural scene there. So we look forward to seeing what happens there over the next few years. Well done. We're definitely looking for collaborations along, I guess, increasing feed into that sculpture trail from towns around us. They've all got something going on. And I think we all need to get together and figure out what kind of trails we can pop up. Uh, have we got birding trails that we can pop up to give people more than just one or two towns to venture into when they come out here? Are there foodie trails that link into grazing? Are there art trails that link into sculpture? So, again, if you're out there listening in the Central West and you feel like your town has something to, to you know, get alongside us with, give us a yell. We're looking for collaboration. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Moving forward and looking into the future, Wendy, where do you see grazing going? And I'd love your insights in how you think 2020 and COVID have or may have an effect on how you go about the planning and organising of grazing um, in 2021 and beyond. That's front of mind for everybody in the events industry, isn't it? We've popped up uh, a COVID-safe grazing plan for 2021. Even though it's in September, we still don't feel confident that things will be back to normal. And because we are a small committee, we figure, you know, we can't spread ourselves too thinly. So we've gone with the COVID safe plan for the, the main event. Um, we've brought it back to 500. We're quite confident we can manage 500 on course in a COVID safe way. But what we have done is pop out a few more really interesting satellite events that we also 
figure we can run in a COVID safe way. Still firming those up, so I probably, um, you know, I won't say too much about those, but they are going to be super interesting and super exciting and super engaging and brand new. So the other thing that is really going to keep rising along well into the future is we, we as in the Forbes Art Society, of which Grazing is a part, have just bitten the bullet and employed a full-time marketing and promotions manager in Emily, Emily Brotherton. Emily's highly experienced. We're just so lucky to have secured Emily. And, you know, we have this amazing sculpture trail coming at us to market and promote. We have a brand-new cultural centre, birding site now, and we've just bitten the bullet and said we are going to employ her and we're going to make it work. So look out for a far more professional-looking grazing down the Lachlan. They also oh, have all the fire and enthusiasm of a volunteer committee, but um, with Emily on board, you know, we, we can really fly high. Oh, well, it's, it's exciting to hear that you've done that, and I think she will definitely help elevate the festival. I think as a volunteer committee, you have done an extraordinary job. As a bit of a side note, I actually used to babysit Emily Brotherton in Wagga Wagga oh, no. <laughs> many, many years ago. I'm showing my age. I know. And I reconnected with her actually at the Regional Tourism Awards in Orange a couple of years ago when she was with the Parks crew. So it was so lovely to see her and she's an absolutely delightful young lady. So I think she's going to do an amazing job and fit right in with with you and the, the grazing committee. So I look forward to seeing what, what happens. So watch this space. My word, yeah. Now, quick question before we get into our final little segment. Can people buy tickets for 2021 yet? Are they sold out? Are they coming on sale? How can we look at coming along? Sure. Look, they won't go on sale until early next year, but people can sign up for our newsletter just by jumping onto our website and if you do that, you will get a heads up. Um, Excellent. Via our newsletter. Yeah. Okay, that's some good tips. I, I just need to slip back in there when you're talking about the future of grazing. We have just secured our major sponsor, Evolution Mining, for the next five years. So that is super exciting. That, yeah, totally. That gives us financial security to really go for it. They are, they've been so good to us, so good to the Forbes Art Society. They get what we're trying to do and we are just such a good fit with them in terms of our goals and our vision and our mission. We, we tick all their boxes and they tick all our boxes, so you can't get a better partnership than that, can you? Oh, congratulations. And, yeah, that was a big thumbs up I was giving you on the Zoom call there, but that's um, it's so exciting and I can just see this all coming together with that, with Emily coming on board, with the passion, enthusiasm of the committee and maybe having that year off to really refine where you want to go. I think we're going to see great things for grazing over the next few years. So that's, yeah, well done to you all. No, it's exciting times. And with a, a world-class sculpture trail coming along too, so many reasons for um people from out of the area to pop out and enjoy the event and see what else is going on out here. Absolutely. And not just at grazing time, anytime. This is the time to be travelling regionally, isn't it? So, um, yeah, definitely put Forbes and the Central West on your travel list. Now, I'd like 100%. to... 
wrap up the um, podcast or before we get into this, actually, is there anything else you'd like to say that we may not have touched on, Wendy? No, look, I think we've had a good chat around grazing. We really have. I I just feel like value-based events are getting a lot of traction as, as we've been, oh, we still are sitting in the middle of this earth-shattering pandemic. I think people are really deeply thinking about where they want to put their money because where you put your money is is a reflection of your values. I guess if I was to give anybody who was looking to shape up an event advice, think about that first. Think about where your values sit and shape your event around that. Because if you, if you don't have that guidance, that is why grazing looks like it looks. It's why grazing is a no-waste event because that was one of our core values. And it's not always easy to tick that box but it underlines, it underpins every decision we make. So, yeah, go, go with your values. That's great advice. Thank you. Okay, so let's finish with some fun questions to wrap this up. The first one is, what was the last event you went to? Oh, that was uh, the National Awards. Oh, back in, that was February in Canberra, wasn't it? It was, and it was, it was a great event. Probably one of the fun. last live events that happened in the country, really, when we think it about it. And, yeah. yeah, great result for you guys. Okay, what's you, the most favourite event you've been to? Besides your own, of course. Okay, besides grazing, oh, so many, Belinda. You, you know what? This is, this is something that I will never forget. We went quite a few years back now to hear Leonard Cohen when he toured Australia in the Fines, in the Southern Highlands, and that was the most magical night. He was so chilled and so on song. His voice is mellow to be magnificent. And, of course, everybody in the audience knew all the songs and they were singing along and his backing, he bought, you know, world-class backing band with him, the mandolin, the vocals. The night was perfect. It was a balmy summer night. That one's really stayed with me. That was magic. Magical. Oh, beautiful. Okay, which event is on your bucket list? Oh, so many, so many. Look, I think um, (laughs) the Gama Indigenous Festival in Arnhem Land, I would really love to go to that. That would be so cool. And the other ones can't, oh, the other event, this is, again, just straight out out of my imagination. I imagine walking into a piazza in Rome and the three tenors just popping up and filling that space with with their magnificent voices. That, you know, that's never going to happen for me, but I can can dream. Dream. It sounds great. Oh, beautiful. So beautiful. Okay, Glastonbury or the Super Bowl? Oh, it's got to be Glastonbury. (laughs) Good choice. (laughs) Great one. And the last question, your favourite thing about the festivals and events industry? I think from the perspective of an organiser, it's the way, it's the collaborations, the generosity of spirit of the people who um, helped us get a start and, and, and continue to improve and, and develop. Well said. I wasn't well expecting said. it. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting people to be protective of their patch and 
you know, guard that hard gained IP, but it's not what I've found. Yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, on the most part, people are happy to share and want to share. So I think that is a great thing about the industry. Thank you so much for your time, Wendy. I'm so appreciative. I've loved learning more about grazing and yeah, I'm about to subscribe to your newsletter so I can hopefully get my hands on one of those 500 tickets for 2021. So thank you. We wish you all the best and I really look forward to seeing how your grazing journey continues. And yeah, thank you for starting such an amazing festival and this will be a legacy for years and years to come. So thank you. Oh, look, thank you, Belinda, and thank you for all your encouragement. You've kind of been with us in, in that way from the start and and also to our peers in the industry who've, who've offered us so much encouragement. It's, it's a great industry to be in and we look forward to many years to come. Fantastic. Thank you, Wendy. Cheers, Belinda. Thank you for listening to the Eventualities podcast. Subscribe for future episodes and the best way you can support us is by leaving a review which helps others find the podcast.